Join Rowdy and Kyle every Monday and Thursday night for another episode of the Rowdy Magalite Show, sponsored by On Tire Tailgate System. the track the hot pass racing network puts you at the track with arca and all the major nascar series from daytona to the final checkered flag the hot pass racing network is your inside pass all right everyone i'd like to welcome you to monday night with the rowdy maglot show hey just getting back this morning from an absolutely wonderful weekend at talladega super speedway awesome crowds Great weather. Enjoyed seeing everyone on the boulevard. Uh, <laughs> Big Willie got to take him on Friday night on the boulevard. We had a blast. Show me Dega. Uh, Brandon Henson playing, singing. Uh, Boone's Tip Bar Jar Jar Bar Jar Bar. Bill's uh, Red Thirty Eight. Dega Nation, man, you just go on and on and on on what I had to do at, on the nightlife, but during the daytime, we were in Big Bill's garage. All the people that registered and entered in my contest, I want to thank you. I hope you enjoyed the tickets, and I know you did. Uh, what, 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 what a weekend. That's all I can say is what, 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 what a weekend. Anyway, uh, we got... Josh Williams calling in. Josh was in the Xfinity uh, race this weekend. And we're going to talk a little bit to Josh about what uh, life's like with the Xfinity. And actually, Josh got to race his first uh, NASCAR Cup race on uh, on third at Bristol. And talk to him a few minutes about that and what he's got in store for next year. And uh, also, we got a young man back. He's been on the show also like Josh. We got uh, Zachary Tinkle calling in. He's driving the the 06 for Wayne Peterson and uh, really done a a pretty decent job with what he's got to drive and brought it home with everything all together. Uh, Good-looking ride, and he was toting. We're going to talk a little bit about Patterson's Farms and the guys there that made the sponsorship on the car all possible. But uh, we got uh, Kyle be calling in as, as well as Josh here pretty quick. Kyle's unfortunately at work tonight, and uh, um, he's going to make it, though, when Josh. He's calling in when Josh is calling in. So I think what we're going to do is run over here real quick and let's listen to Noah. Gregson won the Xfinity race that Josh was in, and uh, we'll listen just a few minutes of, of what uh, Noah had to say and, Listen, the sponsor this week in the Cup was Wendy's. And uh, if you go on my YouTube page, you'll see TikTok page. Noah. Real unusual outfit. Oh, my. That's rough. Damn, Jenna. Wow. That's rough. It was tight. It was, it was a little tight. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we are now joined by our Dash for Cash winner, driver of the number 16 Chevrolet for colleague Racine. We're going to start with questions. If you have a question, raise your hand, and we'll get a wireless mic to you. Jenna in the front. Okay. <laughs> All right, Jenna. 
Yeah. I don't have it in front of me. You said something on your radio, I guess, before the first overtime, you were toast or over it. or you know, I'm always over it here. Tell, is this on? Yeah, back yeah. away from yeah. it. How about this? Yeah. Or I can yell. It doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> no, what I was saying was um, we, like, the car handled pretty good, but it, like, we get about halfway down the straightaway, and it, it just kind of, it, it kind of just run out of speed. So a lot of those guys, the junior cars, uh, and uh, especially when the junior cars were behind me, but, you know, even Sieg, like, they could get to my bumper, and usually, you know, you kinda, they kind of get to your bumper and they push, and you kind of get away. Well, we'd never get away, so they could just stick to the bumper, and it, it just made it really hard to hold on to, and um, that was kind of what was, uh, I was referencing was, I was like, I, I don't know how to block these guys, because um, the one time... Sam had a run on me, and I, he was pushing me so hard, I went to defend, and it was like, if I keep turning, I'm crashing. And so I just kind of knew that it was going to be tough to make a move like that if it was in that scenario. And that's kind of what happened on that last restart. I kind of checked up because I didn't know if Justin was laying back, and, you know, by the rules, you can't launch before him. I didn't realize he was running out of field, so that allowed Noah to get that big run and, and get in front of me well. I, mean, I kept backing up to try to get a run, and like we never could really get the run. And then obviously Jeffrey had a run and all that, and then it was just kind of hanging on. So I just, I always kind of knew if it kind of came down to needing a, a push or anything like that, they they could easily get to our bumper and then kind of just really just shift me out of the way. Um, so it was a little bit of survival. Um, so we'll, we need to go do our homework a little bit going into Daytona and kind of work on that. So you're the leader of the uh, first overtime, second overtime. Are you like, come on, like, give me a break? No, I mean, you just, you know, especially at Talladega, because even though the, you know, the line's not that much further through the trial than a Daytona, it's, uh, you know what, what's going to happen in, in those two laps. So even when I had the lead and the caution came out, it wasn't like, I was like, oh, I had this. And, and you just knew it was always going to come down to that run or that push. And that's, I got the, the lead on the outside. And I kind of debated on, do I take the outside again? But with the way they were getting runs on me, I thought maybe the inside would be better, at least so I could have one lane I could always block and no cars were going to be behind me. But uh, it was tough for the inside lane to stay attached. And that's how Justin got back around me and was able to lead the last restart. So I knew it was always going to be a challenge. You know, in these races, of course, you'd like to, to win them. But, I mean, it's just happy to, to get out the top five. Um, and, you know, the dash for cash is a, a, a lot, big bonus at least with it. So uh, does that $100,000 check go straight to Tara, or do you get to spend any of it? It's, it just goes to Mr. Tickles. Oh, uh, Mr. Yeah, Tickles. What, what, what does he need? Yeah, he, he's, he's, you know, he's very pristine like that. He just needs a lot of treats. Yeah. Do we have any additional questions? All right. Thanks for having me today, guys. All right. Thank you, AJ.
band that was on the boulevard concert. The crowds were absolutely awesome after the concert. Both all the outsiders coming inside, and uh, I mean, it just made for uh, after the concert. The boulevard was at one thirty in the morning. It was one o'clock in the morning. It was just bumper to bumper with people. I mean, it was going uh, even Sunday night. I mean, Sunday night is usually pretty calm and, and very few people. It's mostly people packing up, but there were a lot of people walking in the crowd, walking around. And uh, that's where I see Megan and uh, Boone and all that group over at the Boone's Tip Bar, Tip Char Bar. As they was taking down Show Me Dagan Nation, Show Me Dagan, that was uh, a lot of work. A lot of work, guys, goes into prepping for Talladega. People don't realize what kind of work there that goes into all this. So uh, we're moving on to Dover, Dover Motor Speedway. That's going to be the fourth, which is April the twenty-fifth through March one. Sunday's race is going to be the first day of March. Man, I already here it's done or May. We done March on now. I thought of March and then to May now, from April. But it's going to be on FS1, MRN, and uh, Sirius XM. Got to talk to Claire B a little bit. You know, it's always good to talk to Claire. And uh, <laughs> she always thanks me for giving her a few minutes of my time. You know, I find that pretty incredible because she runs a pretty good show over on XM Satellite. She's able to, uh, she's right there in the thick of things. But what do y'all think about the race, man? It was uh, all, th- all three series, the doubleheader with the Arkham Menard series and uh, the winner on that, Nick Sanchez. It's like I said earlier, second time Arkham winner, but first time winner, Arkham winner this year. Brings it home for Rev Racing. Uh, Noah Gregson wins his second Xfinity race this year. That was a uh, that was a pretty exciting race. And then Moles down to the Sunday race with the Geico uh, 500. Now we're getting ready for the uh, Yellowwood 500 in October. And if you hadn't got tickets, you need to check on them now so you can get the best seat now. I think that's uh, 877 go to August at the uh, Daytona second race and got to see, speak with Frank Gill in just a few minutes uh, yesterday, the track president of Daytona and looking forward to having him on. But I'm going to bring on our first guest for tonight. I'd like to welcome back to the Rowdy Backlight Show, Josh Williams. Welcome, Josh. What's happening, buddy? How are you? Man, Josh, I tell you, just uh, trying to get over what was turned out to be an absolutely beautiful weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. It was. It was. It was a good weekend and perfect weather, so couldn't ask for anything else. Well, Josh, man, I'm I'm glad you all, you know, we got pretty good history together. Uh you know, I, I I wasn't with you when you won your first guitar at Nashville, but I was with you when you won your second with with the Arkham Menard series, and that was pretty special. 
Yeah, it was uh it was pretty cool, man. You know, it um you know, we definitely had some good times for sure and and uh just keep plugging along here and hopefully get some, some more hardware in the future here. Well Josh, you know, we met back down in Mobile years ago and to foresee your future to to now and last week at Bristol, would you ever dreamed you'd been racing dirt at Bristol in a cup car? <laughs> No, uh that all those words together didn't didn't quite didn't quite fit, but um but it was cool, man. It was a, a neat experience, you know, and I think it was probably the the best place that, that you know, I could have went to for my first cup start and um, you know, just try to get the best finish we can and, and you know, showcase, you know, what I can do, um, you know, on different types of racetracks. What uh Josh, with that being said, does did racing Arca Racing with ARCA on dirt at, like, Springfield and DeCoin, that kind of give you an edge of over some of the other guys in the field? I think so. Um, it did race pretty similar. You know, the the track didn't dry out quite as much as I thought it was going to, you know, because of the weather and, you know, them running at night. And, and I thought that was a, a great idea for sure, you know, run that race at night, try to hold some of the moisture in the track and, you know, let us, um, you know, have a little bit better race. So it, uh, it drove similar for sure. Um, you know, it was definitely different, you know, being in the new newer style cup car that um that took some getting used to, but you know, we still end up coming out there with a good solid finish and, and a successful day. Well, coming back to uh Saturday, Josh, uh the heat I mean it wasn't that extremely hot, but I I know the track had to have got a little bit slick. Did the heat kinda of play any factor? Um, no, it wasn't too bad. You know, we um yeah, it, uh, it wasn't as hot as it has been. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, so it's just pretty calm, cool day. You know, we just wanted to try to ride around and get some points and try to be there at the end to have a successful finish. And you know, we did that. We did everything we wanted to do. So you know, we'll regroup and, and get prepared for Dover here and, and see what we can do there. Josh, how, how did you prepare yourself? You go from a super speedway. Uh, short track, and then you, you're thrown into all the different road courses like we run last year. Uh, you know, I mean, the biggest thing for me is, you know, I've, I've done all that stuff, you know, for many, many years. So, I mean, it's just kind of a uh, just kind of normal day at the office, you know. Well, Josh, can you talk about what you got planned for next year? I mean, I know it's early in the season, but if you're if you're planning on an, another year of racing, you, you've got to be thinking now. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, um, the the ball's consistently rolling. So we're um, we're working on some things. You know, um, working with some new partners and stuff for for 2023, and you know, trying to build a platform and a program that that we can surround ourselves around. So we're um, we're working towards it, and you know, every things change every day here in motorsports. So you never know what's going to happen. What what's it like working for uh, BJ? <laughs> It was pretty cool. Um, you know, I've, I grew up watching him race short tracks in Florida when I was a kid, so kind of cool to, for us to put that story together. And, um, you know, just both of us being from South Florida just kind of kind of works out. So, Josh, this all started, I mean, you, you won in Bandolero or was it Legends at, at Nashville? Uh, 2005 is uh, Bandolero. I was just turned 12 years old. And, and, and what you're doing, you're racing every weekend in the Xfinity Series. That, 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 that's that's pretty cool. 
from track to track each week. It's pretty demanding, though, isn't it, Josh? Yes, uh, it's a full-time job. I mean, you know, we're we're actually, um, you know, I was back in the shop here today and getting the the ARCA car prepared. I've got a driver for it for Dover, so we've been in the shop working on it, and we got to leave Thursday to to head to Dover for the ARCA race. So it's uh, it never ends, man. It's always a a constant uh, constant grind, and we're always working and trying to make things happen. Well, Josh, let's talk about the guys that help you back in the shop that makes that possible, man. Yeah, I've got um, my guys, you know, that, that I've got right now. I've got two full-time employees. Uh, John, you know, he's been with me for many, many years, um, probably since he's about 14 years old. So we've been together for a long time. And, uh, hired a new guy a couple years ago, or I guess this would be right at two years. Um, Zach, he's been helping me a ton. And, you know, he's learning and, and making progress, but uh, make a pretty good team. we got a lot of stuff going on. You know, with my own team, we take care of uh, some late models, some late model stocks, and super trucks, Bandoleros, Legends cars. Uh, we got a couple people in Florida. we got a sports and car and a, and a modified we also help. So we're um, we're busy 24-7. <laughs> sounds like it, Josh. But what about your sponsors that have you make you go, man? Uh, we've got some really cool people behind this, man. We've had, a, you know, a lot of people that's been a part of this program for a long time. And, you know, uh, uh, Sleepwell, they've been with us for a really long time. Uh, Noah, he's been a good good to us. And uh, Startron, Starbright, you know, out of Florida there. Uh, Gregor, he's been a great to us over the years. And uh, Alloy Employer Services with J.R. Pine, he's been on board here for a couple years now and, you know, helping to grow this program and, and put ourselves in position to be the best we can be. And, and uh, we're all growing together. You know, we uh, we plan on having these relationships for a long time. Well, Josh, you know, it's been great for our relationship to go on as long as it has. And it's always great to see you on the pre-race show downstairs because you never know when I'm going to show up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> you pop up random times, that's for sure. That's right, Josh. Man, I appreciate you giving me time tonight, and uh, thank Megan for it. And it was good to kind of hang out and do a little nightlife in Talladega with you. Heck yeah, buddy, for sure. And uh, hopefully we get to see you soon here at the next one. I hope so. I'm looking to. I'm kind of looking towards Do. Uh, not Dover, but uh, Darlington. I, let me get them D's out of here. Yeah, hopefully Darlington, Josh. Heck yeah! Well, let me know, man, for sure. Love to, love to get with you and hang out a little bit. All right, Josh. Thanks a lot. Looking forward to seeing you. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, buddy. You have a good one now. You too, Josh. Thanks a lot. All right, man. See you, buddy. All right. Bye bye. Supposed to be a promo here. Rowdy, did I just miss Josh Williams? You sure did. You sure did. Oh, darn. Uh, just, just as you picked, this is he hung up. This is your number showed up. I couldn't. I, I was wondering why I couldn't. I mean, everybody making heard me saying it, but I couldn't hear nothing. 
Those are the breaks, Rowdy. But uh, I was a little busy at work. Uh, you know, I tried to call when I, I could, but that, um, yeah. it is what it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Kyle, I mean, we talked a few minutes, and I, I kind of felt like you, you got tied up. But, Kyle, what was your uh, takeaway from uh, Talladega while, we're, while we got you on the line? Well, Rowdy, there were some pretty bizarre finishes. Uh, you know, the Archer race, uh, won by Nick Sanchez. Uh, I know that uh, Rev Racing's back in victory lane again. I know it's his second career win on the last lap pass. Uh, you know, good to see that group win again. Uh, Noah Gregson uh, holding on for the victory over Jeffrey Earnhardt. I know a lot of people were pulling for that number three car to get back to victory lane. Still a pull in the second isn't too bad for the three car. And, uh, Ross Chastain, um, second win for Trackhouse Racing. Um, basically didn't have to do a single thing, Rowdy, but drive the car straight, and he won the race. So uh, really uh, interesting finish to that one. And the nice part is, uh, you know, that Trackhouse has another win. And, you know, I think I think Daniel Suarez will win a race here at some point. But uh, typical Talladega, you know, I think that's what we expected. Um, you know, we had, the, we had some big crashes, and, you know, there was a lot of chaos at the end, and, yeah, typical Talladega, nothing, nothing crazy. I didn't think. No, no, Kyle. It's only the good thing about the time with the weather was just absolutely perfect. I know I keep saying that, but people don't realize sometimes it's kind of tough fighting that April weather here. But uh, seems sometimes we we have more better than you know positive weather than negative. But when we have it, it's bad. Rowdy, the weather's uh, finally cooperating uh, uh, yeah. here in in Pennsylvania. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say for, quick. Nothing. Five straight nights of four ten sprint car racing. Um, you know, we got Bridgeport in Wednesday, Bloomsburg Thursday. Uh Alex Bowman and Christopher Bell were at Bridgeport and Bloomsburg Wednesday and Thursday night. Uh Friday night, the uh, all stars were at Williams Grove Speedway, Saturday, Port Royal. Uh, let me just backtrack quick. Um, let me just do a quick recap. Uh, Wednesday night, the invasion of the posse at Bridgeport Speedway for the 410 Sprint Cars. Brenton Marks was leading on the last lap until until he slowed, and Anthony Macri got into him and spun out and still won the race. Um, held him off on one lap dash, and then Macri, uh, his winning streak continued Thursday night at Bloomsburg, uh, passing Bill Baylog just after halfway in the future to win his fourth consecutive. 410 sprint car race. Friday night at Williams Grove, it was all Brent Marks. Uh, Anthony Macri did get a top five at the end of the street, but the winning didn't stop there for Anthony Macri. He won Saturday's all-star race. Keith Kaufman Classic, 10,000 to win it at Port Royal. And then uh, Sunday night at Seals Grove uh, also won. So he's won six of his last seven sprint car starts. So not too shabby for him, and uh, he's probably the hottest driver in the, uh, the sprint car driver in the country right now. It sounds like a Kyle. It sounds like he's got everything going in his direction, man. Yeah, he is so far, and, uh, you know, it just seems like it's one thing after another. You know, it doesn't matter where we go. Um, it looks like uh, Anthony Macri is, is basically the man to beat. Yeah, uh, he, he is. Uh, I, I like Sprints, man. It's just uh, like the guys are got a bucket seat on top of a transmission guy with oversized tires, and they're, and they're, and they're slinging dirt, dude. They're slinging dirt. 
Ed Taylor. You're right. It's uh, pretty Tyler exciting to watch. Frisco. Yeah, what about Chase winning over at the uh, dirt track and at the Hornet's Nest at Talladega Short Track? Rowdy, before I let you go, great point. Um, Chase Briscoe getting the win on uh, Saturday night at the Talladega Short Track. I know this is kind of his uh, his start of, of his sprint car, sprint, his dirt tour. Um, and he said he's going to run about 25 races. So um, good to see him back in victory lane. I know it's been a while since Phoenix, but uh, it's good to see Chase Briscoe back. And I just want to say, you know, thanks to Josh Williams for coming on tonight. Um, bummer I missed him. But, uh, you know, trying to get my uh, my other side of my life taken care of and trying to help you out, Rowdy, you know, both very important to me. And just want to say, you know, thank you as always for everything. And had a great time at Bloomsburg Thursday night. And I just want to also say thank you to Ben Stoles and everybody there at Bloomsburg Fair Raceway for uh, their hospitality. Absolutely, Kyle, because, uh, you know, they make it possible for you to go cover those. And I uh, appreciate them. In return, Kyle, you write some great articles. You know, hopefully, you know, our coverage is beneficial, and I know it is to them. That's that's the bottom line. Make sure sure you follow the Rowdy Maglite Racing Media Facebook page. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, and also RowdyMaglite.com. A lot of cool content from Talladega and Bloomsburg, so definitely check it out. Man, I'm telling you, Kyle, you're dead on it. If you haven't been on the RowdyMaglite.com page, then go check it out. Don't take just a second. And then hit, hit one of those blue buttons and let it direct you wherever you need to go. And I appreciate Kyle. Kyle's done took off. We're waiting on uh, Zachary Tinkle calling in here, driver of the uh, 06 car for Wayne Peterson Motorsports. And... Uh, He's got a new sponsor on the car, and then his old sponsors that he brought on over. But uh, Zachary's planning on racing a full season, and uh, we're going to see how he enjoyed the uh, Super Speedway life because we've done run two Super Speedways already, Daytona and Talladega. So just listen to the rainfall because that's what's happening outside right now. Nothing but rain. And more rain, and more rain. So uh, Dover is the site for the uh, sprint car race this weekend, NASCAR uh, Cup race at Dover Motor Speedway. That's um, April the 25th through May the 1st. You know, FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM. So uh, tune in and... Uh, Check it out. Then we roll into Darlington. And hopefully I'll get to cover Darlington. But to get back to uh, Talladega, uh, started off Friday afternoon. Got to go and see everybody. To, um, everybody that called into the show, Red 38, uh, Boone's, Kip Jar Bar, uh, Tega Nation on Saturday night. Part of the concert on Saturday night. The big one on Friday night. What a great parade that was going through the center of the boulevard and the activities that they had on Friday night. Actually, three years, three races. Not years, three races. 
missed three races, and they brought it back this year. So hopefully we're back to stay again. And uh, thanks a lot again for uh, trying to provide something for race fans to do and transportation in and out of the track. That, that's another good one. Thanks again for being the last track that offers free camping. And I just hope everybody kind of appreciates that fact. Pick up and clean up after yourself when you leave, man. You know, the, the less they have to spend on labor to clean that place up, the more likely you're going to get to do it and use it again for free. So try to always make it better than what it was when you get, when you got there. That's the way we try to leave it. Make sure we get everything up. Beer caps, cigarette butts, and you know what All right, we're waiting on uh, Zachary Kyle in there to talk a little bit. Arca Racing and his experience this weekend at the Arca Menard Series, the General Tire 200. Uh, got to see Moon Pie, and Moon Pie's over the General Tires. He's the guy that gets the tires to the old teams. And gets, we get a cold drink from him. I'm going to bring on our next guest. Uh, this the young man's driving the 06 for Wayne Peterson Motorsports. Zachary Tinkle. Welcome to the show, Zachary. Hello. I'm I'm excited to be here, and thank you for letting me come on the show. Zachary, uh, let's, first let's talk about the sponsors on your car because, you know, uh, I got to meet some of the guys with the uh, sponsor on your car this past weekend. Uh, Pat, it's Parsons Farms out of Middleton, Tennessee. Uh Zachary, those guys was really impressed with with what y'all got going. You know, a small team, uh, Wayne being a, a veteran, and those guys being veterans put on a pretty decent show and brought the car home all together. Let's talk about uh, your drive on on Saturday in the doubleheader. Yeah, it was. Um... For us, it was a really, you know, a really good weekend, um, an eventful weekend, but it ended up being, it ended up being really good. Um, you mentioned Parsons Farm, and it was really nice for them to come on board and the day, the day before the race, and um, sponsor us, and um, it meant a lot to Wayne and meant a lot to us, and that ensures, I believe, with that and us finishing the race, that we'll be able to run. Kansas here in a couple of weeks. So, and there are some really great people and, you know, they, they're, they're right. They're race fans at their heart. And they were telling me, um, a story about, um, one of their crew guys, um, Anthony, I was his name used to work on Wayne's team, um, a little bit ago, um, a couple years ago. And he, him and his friends, so the owner of the company had a art camper out in the infield and he, would have his friends and they would always root for the 06 car since um anthony who uh, who worked his friend worked on wayne's team at the time so it was was something really it was something really it was a really cool story and i thought it was really neat and you know it was they were some really great people so talking about anthony freeman that correct uh Zachary? yep yeah, yep that like would be correct i've known anthony I've known Anthony quite a while, uh, Zachary. So you're planning on running a whole season, isn't that correct? 
Um, that is our intention, yes. Um, it is, it's dependent on funding, and we're kind of doing it at this time on a race-by-race -race basis. So we're, you know, trying to, trying to get in every race that we can make, um, but uh, we're taking it one race at a time. But, um, you know, it was um, the events last week really helped, and um, that and also the Daytona race went really well for the whole team, and I think it was um, – you know, I think our, I think it went really well. And then, um, yeah, so. Where was you at the time of the, of the big wreck that uh, happened with Eric and the, and, the oh. rest, and the rest of the guys? You know, actually, uh, before I got on the call, we was um, talking about that, but um, with me and my parents and, um so, you know, I personally, I was too far back um, to see what all happened. I I saw the after. I saw, you know, there's debris everywhere and, like, you know, the bits of a fender and everywhere, and I was trying to avoid the debris, but I didn't actually see it um, unfold because I was probably, I would say, about a quarter lap behind it. But um, so I didn't see what happened with that, um, the big wreck, but um yeah, it was it was pretty unfortunate that uh you know Scott got hurt in that wreck and you know I I want to you know send my prayers out to him and wish him a speedy recovery but you know as um yeah I didn't see the the wreck itself. Yeah, well, well kind of in a good way that was a good thing keep you being right in the middle of it. But actually, Will Kennel and Bill was doing a live today. And Will was actually sitting in that car that they had cut the top off, and uh, he had he broke his ankle. Thanks. Which, if you look at the car, that that's pretty light to what could have happened because he took a hard blow. How do you get yourself mentally back in the game after you pass something like that, Zachary? Well, I mean, for me, it's you know you just. Um... I guess for me by now it's second instinct and it's just, you know, it's, you know, it's like, okay, thankfully um, everyone's okay. And I just, I just avoided, you know, I avoided the debris and I, I just like, okay, that's done. And I immediately just kind of, I guess I don't think about it. I just focus ahead and that is on the, in, in, um, on the restart. And I just trying to control the controllables as, as I say. So, you know, that's kind of, that's my focus. So uh, part of that Arkham Menard series, Zachary, is, is on dirt. So that, let's talk just a little, few minutes about uh, dirt, stock cars on dirt. Uh, did you get any experience last year with Wayne on dirt? Or whether it's for your yeah, first time I, on um, dirt, stock car? Uh, I ran both the dirt races last year at um, Springfield. We did a we did a Springfield was kind of eventful. I remember distinctly since we um, we were supposed to run so Michigan. That was a double header with Michigan last year, and uh, we originally planned to start in Park, Michigan, to run Springfield, but we ended up trying to we unloaded for Michigan, and um, we were so quick. It's like, well, we got no. We could get some really good points, so we about ran full Michigan, but then we the motor blew up so we had to fetch our plate track car and try and run Springfield with it and we ended up having starting parking but we got we still got a decent result out of Springfield but it was 
pretty fun while it lasted. And then um, we ran we ran Ducoin later in the year with um, Wayne Crew Chiefing, and Ducoin with us with uh, with um, me and the 27 car would end up being my best finish. So it was you know for the first time I guess um, actually running um, a full race on dirt it was it was um, pretty good. But um, Ducoin was eventful for us and definitely the track was really rough um but it was it was you know i had a lot of fun um kind of i guess unlearning the pavement stuff a bit so the the unlearning process of it was something i i I really liked and i'm looking forward to those races this year i i tell you what there is nothing like being at the coin watching a night race and seeing the all the lights and the aviance of the fairgrounds. And then after the race, uh, Zachary, I don't know if y'all walked through the midways before or after, but if you want something fried, they got it down on that row. I ain't never seen the likes of fried food the craziest way I ever seen it, down to fried pizza. Yep. I actually, um, that was actually the first, um, Arc Ducoin in 2013 was the first ARCA race I got to watch um, in person. Um, so we, I remember, I remember that was, I remember it was that year because that was Frank Kimmel going for his 80th win, and I got his autograph, and you know I, I was rooting for him to win, and um, Ken Schrader ended up winning that one, and you know it actually getting to race. Ken Schrader there at eight years later in that same race was something pretty cool for me to do as well. So I would say so, Zachary. At that point, I mean, was anything, man, I'd like to be a race car driver in 2013 because I know you couldn't have been very old at that point. Yeah, it was actually um, when I first started racing uh, that year I did um, I did a indoor go-kart, um, place that don't exist no more. It's, um, Chicago indoor. So that was when I just first started driving a go-kart that year uh, indoor. And, um, and then I, the next year I moved into a mini cup. So that was when I was first starting out racing and it was something, something really, something really cool. So it was pretty awesome. So, Zachary, when folks ask you what you do and you tell them you're a race car driver, what kind of looks do you get from that? Because you're, you're a pretty young guy. Um, usually, um, it, it varies a lot, if I'm honest. You know, I, in the racing community, it's not, not that different because they're used to it. But um, I'd say people outside, it's like, what? You're, you know, I, I guess I'm – I look younger than I actually am. I've been told that. I don't think I actually am. But um yeah, I they're like say, Well, you look like you're fifteen and like, well, I'm actually nineteen, so um but um and you know, it's you know, I've been driving it since well, I was eleven or twelve. I'm trying to I can't remember off the top of my head right now and yeah, you know, it's it I it definitely uh, I'd say the the mom. You know, there's like the moms that are like, 
you know, and they're probably like, they think my mom's crazy for letting me drive a race car, if I'm, if I'm honest. But, you know, it's actually safer than, you know, dry, um, playing in football or basketball. So, um, you know, if I've always, you know, wanted to be in racing. So you know, I might have gone crazy if I didn't get to go, go racing. So, you know, who knows? But, um yeah, so it, it it varies a lot, and the reactions vary a lot. But you know, from amazement to um, the what what are you doing kind of thing. So yeah. Chicago, there's a place in Newcastle, and they had a go-kart, and um, I think it was, yeah, and, um, I was five, and um, wanted to rent a go-kart up in Newcastle, but the problem was, you couldn't rent a go-kart at the time, um, and it basically said, well, it, it's going to be $10,000 to buy a go-kart, and my mom and dad, one, we couldn't afford it at the time, and then Two, it was like, what if we spend ten thousand dollars and I didn't like it? You know, we we just blew ten grand for nothing. So once I got up to Chicago, I was a bit older. Um, there's this place where I did eventually start racing, and you could rent a cart for just one time, and then go racing. So just you know, that was great for me. And we talked about it again, and basically say. Just see how it goes. See if I see if I like doing it. And um, I went up there, and we just did like one a few times in it. And um, I think we did a little bit more after, after that. And you know, I I obviously I didn't I didn't like it too much. And the rest is history, I guess. So, so let's talk about the people that helped you get to where you're at, man. Because I, I you know it's like you're the quarterback, and it's. Uh... You got to have all these guys working from your crew chief down to the guys from UNA to help you. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've had a lot of help over the years, especially, especially I'd say within the last year, um, you know, just to get me to ARCA. And, you know, I, I really do, of, of course, my mom and dad for always supporting me and letting, you know, letting me race. And I got a race. Uh, I got to, you know, give a big thank you to Wayne. Peterson because you know last year when my dad had a stroke you know I I was about ready to quit racing I thought I'd never drive a race car again and you know he called me and wanted me to um, drive his car and you know he kept inviting me back and you know without him giving me that opportunity I would have had to quit quit racing so for me it was pretty cool uh, I have to give a lot of thanks to Wayne and of course the fans that support racing and you know that give back so you know that supported me and support racing in general and it, it's you know anything there's so you know you could we wouldn't be here without them and of course i want to thank um grateful rescue and um a uh the aapp american association of pet parents for this year and our partnerships for the 
Racing for Rescues program where we can try and be the rescues for animal rescue. And I really, I really like doing that. And it's something, something I, it's really close to my heart and it's something I'm really passionate about. And I'm glad I get to use my racing to bomb animal shelters in whatever ways I can. Zachary, tell everybody where they can follow and keep up with you the rest of the season in the Arkham Arts. Well, um, you can follow me on Twitter at Zachary Kinkle and Instagram with the same handle. Um, also now on TikTok at Zachary Tinkle. Um, then go to ZacharyTinkle.com, my website, and um, search my name on Facebook for my Facebook fan page, Zachary Tinkle. Uh, and also my website, we have, um, I think, new free hero cards for 2022. Zachary, thanks a lot for being part of the Rowdy Maglite show. Kyle's working tonight, or he'll be asking questions, but when he gets a chance, he's going to cut that up tomorrow, and we'll send you over a copy. And thanks again, Zachary, for being part of the show, and looking forward to seeing you at the next Arkham Menard Series race. All right. Thank you very much. And I want to express my gratitude because, you know, thank you for letting me come on the show. I, I really enjoy doing this and, you know, it was, it was great talking to you. So I will, um, I, if you, I don't know if you're going to any other races, but I look forward to seeing you. If you get a chance to come to any more races. I'll so be there. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Zachary. And look for me. I'll be there, my friend. Thanks a lot again. And I'll look, Guys, there at uh, Wayne Peterson Motorsports, uh, Zachary. Thanks a lot, and uh, good luck for the rest of the year, my friend. Thank you very much, and thank you again for having me on the show. And I hope the rest of your day is awesome. <laughs> I appreciate, it, my friend. Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. All right, we're gonna run over here and play. Uh, Ross Chestain, Deadline Room, if, if we can get it up and going here. For some reason, right, the wheels want to spin. There we go. All right, we're going to get started with our post-race press conference here at Talladega Super Speedway at the GEICO 500 with our race-winning crew chief, Phil Spurgeon. And, Phil, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on that win. Um, take us through those last laps from your seat on the pit box. Well, it's a it's a speedway race, so you you I've grown to expect that with with five to go, you can't tell what's going to happen at the end. With two to go, you can't tell what's going to happen at the end. And uh, frankly, coming off of four uh, in the top group of cars, it, you don't really know what to expect yet. You know that there's going to be a wreck at the start finish line, and uh, so many times have been on the other end of it. So um, unlike uh, you know downforce races or road course races where you can you know, you know you have a good car. You know have a bad car. Um, you know here you just you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so it's you know it's a little bit nerve wracking, but you just you kind of stay calm. And 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 as it transpires, it's like man, this is it becomes more and more clear in those last few seconds that uh, we won the race and uh, a great great day for us. All right, and and one additional question before we go to questions um, out here is um, based on some of the notes we have this that you won with today is the same car you won with in Coda, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Okay, can you tell us a little bit about that, the ability to bring that Coda winning car here to Talladega and win again? 
yeah, it really comes down to just the uh, the whole next gen platform, um, all the same and have the the same range of adjustments and the same groups of parts. So um, all the cars right now are essentially universal. So there's uh, you know, we took that car after it was done at Coda and, and cleaned it up and set it up a little bit differently to come here. And um, there's there's no reason it can't race at a, a different type of track at an oval next time. Down fourth oval. All right, we're going to take questions for Phil. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. And we're going to start with Jennifer here in the corner. Thank you. Um. Ross was saying that he just was going to stay there and, and not move. Um, he didn't want to make a mistake. He didn't want to get in the wrong line. Did you guys talk about that, or did he come to that decision on his own? In the moment, he comes to that decision on his own. Obviously, leading up to the event, um, we've talked a lot of, uh, through a lot of different scenarios, and um, one word that we, we always keep, that keeps reoccurring is patience. Um, you know, you have to be calculated in your moves and, and have patience is exactly what he did. He executed perfectly. And two wins. Um, did you have any idea that you guys had that in you? Um, I knew that all this group of guys had the potential in them. Uh, whether we were going to get them or not, it's a different story. But um, after the first win and really after the, the consistency in the top five, the, the instances we haven't finished in the top five, honestly, it's been, it's been engine, it's been Rex. Um, and we've had strong performing cars everywhere, so uh, I have all the confidence in the world in this group and um, that, that we can't continue to run, uh, be a contender every week. All right, we'll go to Bob up front. Bob Pockers, Fox Sports. Uh, so can you use this car every week? It's, it would be really difficult to turn it around every week, but you know, every third or fourth week, um, you know, with the the cleanup and the prep time that goes into it, you could use it every third or four week, fourth week, pretty easily. I mean, and do you? I mean, do you know, like, is this car, for whatever reason, a better car than the others in your fleet? No, I would say it's exactly the same. Um, and in fact, there's so many parts on them that are interchangeable. Um, there's there's likely a different group of parts on this car than there was on on the chassis element than there was on on the car when it raced at Coda. All right. Any questions in the press box? No questions. All right. No questions in the press box. Any questions downstairs? Okay. We'll go to Dustin and then Jeff. to Dustin. Thank you. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Um, Phil, can you give me a sense of um, certainly we've seen and Ross has talked about uh, he's always been an aggressive driver but trying to contain or control that in certain situations and how uh, patience may have played a role or how it played a role and what he was able to do today where maybe he wouldn't be able to have done as well at some other point or how you've seen that kind of evolve in the time together? Yeah, I've certainly seen a little evolution in my time with Ross. Um, you know, I didn't work with Ross before the start of the 21 season. So, um, you know, likely it was different prior to that. But just from last year to this year, um, I certainly have seen that evolve a little bit. You know, his patience inside the car has, has been better. The uh, He's just generally calm. And that comes with confidence and that comes with us providing him you know, cars that are capable and, and crews that are capable of working on them and fitting them. 
All right, we'll go to Jeff. Good. Daniel McFadden, and then we're going to come up front to Jeff Gluck. Go ahead, Jeff. Hey, Phil, congratulations on the win, Jeff Hood of Racing, today. I, I'm amazed, and I've been following the sport a long time, to see these 20-something-year-old drivers just win week after week after week. Um, just from your time in the sport, are you, are you continued to be surprised about this? And is it the new car, and are you just kind of riding that wave with Ross right now and, and watching some of these other young drivers get it done each week? You know, there there certainly is an element of the new car this year. It's kind of, uh, you know, mixed things up a little bit, but I'm not surprised to see the younger drivers uh, contending every week. You know, the uh, if you look back maybe over the last 20 years, the uh, the level of preparation has changed over over time. And right now the, the guys that are the 20-somethings got into the sport when that level of preparation had elevated itself. So... The, the guys that are 20-somethings right now are, are doing things a lot differently than the veterans have in the past. And some of the veterans have tried to adapt, but, um, you know, that's an edge that the, that the younger drivers have. All right. Daniel, go ahead with your question. Daniel McFadden, uh, Frenchers.com. When the season started, would you have picked a road course and a super speedway as the two tracks where Ross would – breakthrough and get his first two wins. This goes for both, both, both of you. Super, in my opinion, super speedway, no. Road course, yes. Uh, I think you look back at our results from last year and we were strong at all the road courses, um, arguably stronger than we were on the oval. So uh, I expect it to be strong on the road courses this year. Super speedways, I feel like we have all of the all of the elements to compete, but there's, there's always that, uh, that element of luck um, that you never can count on, but that is your question. All right. Any final questions for Phil before we let him go? All right. We're going to take one final question for Dustin. Go ahead. Uh, Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Uh, Phil, can you uh, kind of talk me through a little bit of the mindset or the, the strategy in terms of, I know all the cars or Chevys are trying to pit about the same time, but just how that worked because it seemed like passing was difficult and it was about kind of leapfrogging a little bit on pit road and what you guys were able to do to kind of set things up to put yourselves in, to put Ross in that position at the end. Yeah, generally speaking, when it comes to the, you know, the manufacturer strategies, it's, it's a pretty tall order to get that many people organized and communicated uh, appropriately to, to choose a pit lap or to choose a pit scenario, how many tires, how much fuel, um, you know, you use more fuel in the front of the pack than you do in the middle of the pack. So trying to accommodate the group that you're going to pit with, um, you know, communicate all that well and execute um, is the most difficult is the most difficult element of that. Um, we can look back at history. We can look back at early in this race. When we're in stage three, we look back early in the race and see what happened to try to, you know, identify any elements of that that might be advantageous to incorporate in the, the strategy in the closing laps. All right. Phil, congratulations again on that victory, and uh, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Thank you. All right. We're going to continue with our Q&A. We're going to move on to the race-winning 
owner, Justin Marks, who's now joined us here um, in the Talladega Super Speedway Media Center. Justin, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on that second win. Just take us through those final laps from um, your spot on the pit box. Jeez, I wasn't on the pit box. I was in the bus. I was trying to keep my world a little quiet at the end because it just, you know, these, these things end up being so circumstantial at the end of the races. I mean, it was interesting about about this race is, and we talked about this in the bus with about 15 to go, is everybody's kind of in a single file line and we're all kind of cruising, but everybody's just thinking about what they're going to do at the end. And then, and then you see a whole bunch of plans try to be executed at one moment, but they don't all jive with everybody else's plans. So it's just madness. And I really liked where Ross was. I liked that he was just painting the bottom and he was being patient and <coughs> just sort of riding with some Chevrolet friends there. And, and, you know, when things got crazy, I just, uh, you know, Ross is in a spot right now where he's making, you know, pretty intelligent decisions. Um, so, I mean, it's just, I'm a fan alongside the other 150,000 people here on the property at the end of the race, just cheering for, for my guy, and he did a great job. Awesome. Well, we're going to open up for questions for Justin. If you have one, raise your hand. We'll get a mic to you. We're going to start up front with Bob, and then we'll go to Steven. Go ahead, Bob. Bob Parker's Fox. Bob, how was last night? That was two nights I ago. Oh, was it two nights yeah. ago? Yeah. You can we need a party. Watch our pre-race. You and I. I know you guys <laughs> love our pre-race shows. I do. Um, you, Ross won this race with patience. Did you think he would win a race with patience? Um, <clears throat> that's, a, that's a very, very interesting question. Um, I've said this a number of times, Bob. I mean, you know, Ross has spent a number of years in his career fighting every lap of every race because tomorrow wasn't given because next week was not guaranteed and you know a big uh, I saw I've seen and continue to see so much talent in him that that my goal was to put him in a position where he didn't have to do that where you know he had some job security and he felt like he could he could he could build this team around him and I told him this year that if he slowed down a little bit for me and just took a deep breath and slowed down 5% that we can do we can do great things and I think that's where that comes from right is that he's now comfortable in his job and comfortable in his skin and and understands and knows this team is being built around him so he can take a breath and he can be more calculated and not try to get it all right now in this moment and I think at a place like Talladega there's equity in that because um, you have to be really intelligent and cerebral about how you approach the end of these races and he just did a perfect job today and you, you have two wins do you how do you start preparing this team for a significant playoff run or do you not even start thinking about man how deep we can go mm -hmm. and how do we how do we get a group that's I assume not really been in a playoff situation ready for it yeah i don't i don't i don't even think we begin to to have those conversations i mean i think that we're you know we're here today and we were where we were at coda and and the races leading up to coda just just because we've got a we've got a process that works and i think that we have to just fundamentally stay committed to that process. I mean, I, I think when you start talking about playoff strategy and how you're going to mount a run for the championship, I mean, that, that kind of mental bandwidth is reserved, I think, at this point for the teams that have been there a, a long time, right? That's something that Gibbs talks about. That's something that Hendrick and Penske talk about. But Trackhouse is so new that we can't, we can't start thinking that way. We have to just, we have to just focus on what we're, what we're doing every week just the execution of what we're doing every week that's putting us in that position. Obviously, we're contending for wins kind of week in and week out. We just have to commit to that. I don't think that there's going to be any there's going to be any conversation about playoff strategy for the foreseeable future. 
right, we'll go to Stephen. Go ahead. Stephen Toronto, CBS Sports. Justin, uh, the objective in this sport is to win anywhere you can, but uh, Talladega, there's a certain cultural hold and mystique that this track has not only in racing but also in mainstream culture as a whole. Mm -hmm. As you continue to build track house, wh what does it do for your team as an organization and also as, as a brand to have uh, staked your claim to have having won at this racetrack? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. It's an important question because, because Talladega is so important in the history of this sport. It's hallowed ground. I mean, we were flying in here at 10 o'clock this morning, you know, looking at all the, all the campers and all the people here and going, man, I flew with Tim Duggar, and he's, he, he says, when I close my eyes and think about America, I picture Talladega Super Speedway on a NASCAR weekend. Like, it's, it's awesome to, to be able to come here with so much history and how important uh, this place is um, for Trackhouse, a new team. Obviously, we won at Coda, sort of a new track. To come to hallowed ground like this and win, I mean, I, I, I mean winning at Talladega is incredible. It's incredible. All right, we're going to go hang tight. Give me a minute here. we got a couple hands up. We're going to come up front to Jeff. I'm going to go upstairs to the press box, then come back downstairs and get Dustin, Jordan, and Daniel. So up front to Jeff. Gluck right here, please. Thank you. I know you're not thinking about how to manage the playoffs yet, but where do you think Ross fits in right now in terms of the title contenders? I mean, there's only got a couple guys with two wins. Yeah, I mean, um, Things can change really quickly in the sport, right? Like, we have a lot of momentum right now, and, and everybody's doing a great job. We have fast race cars, the racetrack, but, but things can change quickly, right? Like, I mean, other teams, other manufacturers, they can find something really quickly. And, I mean, you know, we've seen, we've seen Tony Stewart do what he does through summer stretches and through the playoffs. Like, like you know, resurgence or, or momentum can sort of come from any, anywhere at any time. So, um I, I'm I'm being honest when I say that that we there isn't playoffs isn't a word that's uttered in our building at all. I mean because, you know, we still have to go to a lot of tracks with this race car that we've ne never been to before, and we still have um, we still have a, a lot to learn. We're committed to the process of learning this car and figuring out the right approach um, to this car. So, you know, I, I'm being totally honest with you. Like we we just we don't talk about that at all. Because it's just it's so new. Everything is just so new. We're just trying to do a good job every day. You know what I mean? All right, we're going to go upstairs to the press box for the question. Chris Nightcatchments.com. Justin, congratulations on the win. Uh, this morning, Trackhouse Racing announced another new partner for the 2022 season and beyond. I was just curious uh, how much inventory, if any, do you have left for 2022? Available. Yeah, we don't have anything left in 22, and honestly, we probably don't have anything left in 23. I mean, we're, we we've got a um, we've got a, a a lot of momentum right now. What we're doing is resonating with a lot of people. We're authentic. We're real. Obviously, we're winning, um, which is which is important. And um, you know, this is a great sport. I mean, this is a sport where companies can come in and. Uh, they can build brand awareness. They can they can grow their business, and we're just trying to position ourselves as track houses as the most viable place for companies to come and do that. So I take a lot of pride in bringing, you know, two new companies to the sport. Not only Worldwide Express, but Jockey also that we um, that we announced on Monday, and obviously Tootsie's and all the other stuff we've got going on. So um, you know, I, I just I think that I think that it's you know what what we're trying to do here is being successful because I think you know people are this is a this is a partnership based business and the partners are seeing that that Trackhouse is a great place to be. 
All right. Any additional questions in the press box? No, ma'am. All right. We're going to come back downstairs. We're going to go to Dustin. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Justin, two wins in ten races. You call yourselves disruptors. That's quite a disruption in the in the sport. So is is that what you expected at the beginning of the season? Since you say you're here to disrupt, yeah. wasn't that the idea? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I <clears throat> I get that question, I get that question a lot, and 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 my my answer to that is is you know, all of us would not have put the work into starting Trackhouse to just be here also, right? To be here and try to contend or try to do this. I mean, we're, we're trying to establish ourselves, Trackhouse, as a company that can contend for championships in the sport for decades to come. And so I think that uh, I would, you know, I, I would say that, that the expectation was that we would be here, um, but it's just, it's happened quickly. It's just, obviously, it's happened very, very quickly. But, but what comes with that, a, a lot of responsibility comes with that too, because like I said earlier, um, it's not gonna be like this forever, right? I mean, there's gonna be a trough that we go through. There's gonna be times when, you know, when and it could happen at any point, right? Other teams are strong, other OEMs are strong, uh, and we have to build a strong foundation so when those headwinds come, we can navigate them. And we're not a flash in the pan, and we're not oh, remember when Trackhouse showed up and they were good for this period of time? That that fundamental work comes in just establishing you know, what's, what's, what's working right now, which is the fact that we're building a great culture. Everybody that works for Trackhouse loves working for the company. They're excited about this car. They're excited about the opportunity. And that, that ends up being speed in the race car, I believe, with this new car. So, um, so yeah. No. No, I had success, right? I mean, but, like, but, my, but my, um, my goals... My goals in 2022 were not in numbers of wins, points, positions. One car makes the playoffs. It wasn't. It was in and continues to be in making sure that every week we get better and that we invest in each other and that we learn this race car and we constantly improve. Th those, are, those are the goals every week at Trackhouse, right? The wins are nice. The results are nice. But that's the byproduct of the work we put in Monday through Friday. Um, so that that's just c continues to be where we focus our attention. All right, we're going to come up front to Jordan, please. Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Uh, do you think of yourselves as like a model organization for any new ownerships groups coming in? Uh, I hope so. I mean, I think that part an element of what Trackhouse is doing feels a bit of a responsibility to um, – do everything that we can to elevate the sport, right? To to amplify the sport, to be good stewards of the sport, and so like if we're if we're doing great things out there, uh, and it attracts people to emulate or attracts or inspires new ownership or other teams to do things, then then I think that's all that's all good, right? It's like you know everybody says I spent a ton of money uh, making the haulers look good, right? And so people have come up and, and said. You know, hey, your haulers look awesome. Your haulers look amazing. But in a way, it doesn't really matter. But it does matter, right? So, like, if everybody comes in and goes, man, your haulers are look incredible. If that inspires every other team in the series to get super creative with how they manage their branding and their optics and how they wrap their haulers, how they wrap their pit boxes, how they wrap their toolboxes, like, then that's it's sort of a rising tide raises all ships. I mean, like, I, I Trackhouse exists fundamentally because we freaking love NASCAR racing, love it. I love it. 
and like I want to do I want to do something in this sport that um, that's great for track house. But if I can contribute something that inspires all the other teams and new owners and stuff, then great, awesome, come on. Your relationship, friendship with um, Kid Rock, how did that come to be, and what's his involvement with the team? Yeah, you know, he just hangs out because he likes to go to the races. He's just riding our coattails. No, I'm kidding. I, I mean, you know, we, we have a great partner in Tootsie's, um, and, and, and that partnership is so much more than just a bar on Broadway. I mean, Steve Smith, who owns Tootsie's, owns Kid Rocks, Honky Tonk Central, Rippy's, the diner. I mean, he's, he's a major hospitality powerhouse in, in Nashville. So being able to be partnered with somebody like him really brings the Nashville connection to what we're doing. And um, and Bob's a, you know is a huge supporter and friend of what we're doing. Obviously, him and Steve have have that honky tonk Kid Rock's honky tonk on Broadway, and and um, you know it's just part of kind of the power of track house in that town a little bit. It's like people just love it, and want to be a part of it. All right, we're going to continue with questions. I'm going to go to Daniel in the back, up to Kelly, to Jenna, and then Weaver, and then I'm going to work in a few others. Go ahead, Daniel. Dylan McFadden, FrontStretch.com. I got two questions. Uh, first, um. Chip Ganassi Racing only got two wins in its final two seasons. Um, since you brought over pretty much a majority of the people who worked under that banner, I know, I know it's a different car, different circumstances. Do you measure in any way, shape, or form what you're doing now compared to what the Ganassi umbrella was able to accomplish in its closing days? It's easy. To, it's easy to do that. I mean, that's pretty low-hanging fruit, right? Because in a time of transition, you're 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 trying to measure yourself against what was what was before. Um, but honestly, um, I don't really think about. It. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Chip Ganassi. I mean, I've raced for him for a number of years. I've been inspired by watching him and his teams race. Things are just so different. I mean, we we have. It is. I mean, we've kept a lot of people, but it's an entirely new culture. It's. I mean, the building looks different. We got this new car, new. You know, new schedule. So, you know, I, that doesn't really ever come to mind, just because we're just trying to do our business strategy. Our business model is just is just so different. But but to your point, I mean, it's important to recognize like Chip Ganassi and Chip Ganassi Racing. They have some ownership in this win, and in our win in in, in Austin because. We've got so many people that work for Trackhouse that worked at Chip Ganassi Racing, mm -hmm. and out of that building and everything. Um, but you know, we're just uh, Trackhouse just can't compare to Chip Ganassi because what we're doing is just so different. My second question is: I confirmed with uh, Andy Petrie today that the number 33 Skull car that's sitting at Trackhouse is the one that got the four wins in September back in '91. Yeah. Yeah. So first off, what drove you to get that car? And why display it at I, your headquarters? Like I said, I mean, I've got, I, I'm a huge fan of the sport. I, I, I want to be a steward of the sport's um, history and the sport's future. I've got, you know, I'm fortunate enough in my house to have a, a, a Tim Richmond Blue Max racing suit hanging on my wall. Liz Allison gave me one of Davies suits from 93 that I've got in the house. And, um, you know, I, if Trackhouse can make investments to help preserve the history of the sport, that's, that's kind of what we do is we want to honor the history of the sport. And, you know, Mr. September... I mean, here again, won all those races in that car for Andy Petrie, and when Andy and I were talking about it, I said, if you ever want to sell that car, we'll buy it, and it's it's the car, and it's sitting right there, and I want NASCAR to, I, I want NASCAR to, I'm going to ask NASCAR if they'll let me take a couple laps in it at Darlington on throwback weekend. I haven't asked that question yet, but I guess I'm asking it now. <laughs> we'll make sure it gets to the right spot. Thank you. Um, all right, Daniel Kelly, that's where I was going. KellyKernelRacer.com. Justin, you've been preaching, as you have uh, in here, about 
balancing building the culture and you know other teams are coming and building, but h how do you balance, though, allowing your organization to enjoy and celebrate these successes and what you guys are building, but not getting, as you keep talking about, too high because you know yeah. other teams are coming? Yeah, I mean, I think celebrate it quick and get over it quick, right? I mean, it's, it's after we won CODA, I told Ross, we were doing a bunch of media in the shop like Tuesday afternoon, and I was like, I'm, I'm over, I'm over Texas. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm all over Richmond right now. And just like we're all going to be What's next, Dover? We're all going to be do Dover. Yeah, we're all going to be Dover this week, right? So, I think it's 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 what I've said about the fact that we are we're super super committed to just the day in and day out process, our model of doing the work, and um, and that's proven to be successful. And it's a challenge. I mean, managing success is is every bit as difficult as managing failure. You did a good job today. Um, you know, so uh, there comes a, there comes a lot of responsibility with success. And that means that means committing fundamentally to um, to what got you there and the process of, of getting there, not expecting to be the team every week, but just basically us waking up and going to the shop on Monday morning, going, we could suck this weekend at Dover. Both cars could suck, right? So it's like it's it's the 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 competition is out there ready to crush you every single week, and that's just kind of how we think. Yeah. Yeah, for sure, and that just that just comes with how we how we support each other and how we manage the narrative in the shop of just going like we're we're doing something special here, but but it's it's an exercise in managing expectations too because we have a lot of experience at Trackhouse. We're a new team, but we have a lot of experience. I mean, the cumulative experience of people that work for this team is hundreds of years in this sport, and so we have a lot of people in the company that would say like, hey, you know, we've we we've been on this ride before too. Like we've been on this ride, we've won races, and then. And then just gotten crushed for a while. So I mean, we're, we're just all kind of doing a good job of how we manage the highs and the lows. I don't think we get that low on Dover, and and you know, know that that's an entirely different challenge again. All right, I'm going to quickly wrap with Justin before we start with Ross. I'm going to go to Jenna and then end with Matt. I can hear you, Jenna. another win, huh? <laughs> you know, Armando's Ar when Armando said I'm going to be at every race, that yeah. was that was a um, passion, not scheduling. <laughs> that was right. So so um, <laughs> he's look, I mean, it's Pitbull, right? I mean, he's touring, he's recording songs, he's 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 releasing a song in two weeks and, and they're doing a bunch of press around that. And um, and I promise you that I will again call him this week and give him a bunch of shit for missing a race because he needs to be in victory lane with us. Have you? Have you has anyone heard from him? He knows you guys won. Oh yeah, I okay. mean we were, on, we were on the phone with him in victory lane again. Yeah, the whole okay. thing. Yeah. And I wanted to um, get an update on your plans for Nashville. I mean, now that you're in the Ganassi shop and you're changing things, where does Nashville stand? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll. I'll um, so the idea, the idea very, very early on was to try to build a race team uh, based out of Nashville, and that uh, that was the strategy when we were just shopping for a charter. And then shopping for a charter became an acquisition of Chip Ganassi Racing, which didn't, which which changed from building a company in Nashville to uprooting a company and moving it to Nashville, which which no longer really was viable, especially. The relationship we have with Chevrolet and the tech center that they're building uh, in Concord. So, you know, uh, the way I'll answer that is is Trackhouse is more than a racing team. Uh, it's a brand where we're trying to inspire 
uh, we're trying to activate in the intersection point between entertainment and motorsports. Um, it is still very much, we talked about it today, uh, we have a number of com conversations, it's still very much in the business development strategy to have a brick and mortar presence in Nashville. Um, it's, a, it's a matter of figuring out how that looks with our goals scaling as a race team. Um, so a lot of it's up in the air, but, but Nashville is so important to us, and I think that we've got some momentum in getting something special going there. For Justin and then to Ross, um, how, how vital and how important has Ty been to just the infrastructure and the organization? Obviously, his resume suggests he's done this before. He's been here before, but how important has he been? Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, um, Ty, was, Ty was the first person that I called when I really needed to have a meaningful discussion about what, this, what my ideas for this vision was because I needed to bounce it off of somebody that's seen the highs, the lows, people come and go, the whole thing. How many times have we seen this sport? Somebody comes in, they're going to be the next great thing, and it, and it just it ends up, you know, not working out, right? And I, was, I was business partners with Harry Scott for four years, right? And so, like, you know, when I called Ty, um, I said, look, I've got this idea, and it revolves around this new car, but I need, I need, I need like, a real bullshit meter. Like, I need somebody to tell me this is a bad idea. And Ty saw it. Like, he saw it really, really quickly. And um, he's been instrumental because he knows so much about how this garage works, about how this business works. And, um, and he continues to, to, um, to contribute so much to this, to this company uh, because, because his, he just has such a, uh, you know, such a great understanding of how, of how the sport works. But he's also at a point in his life where, you know, he's not getting any younger. He's about to be 57, and he sees Trackhouse as his swan song in the sport. And he worked for Dale Earnhardt, and he worked for, you know, MWR and Toyota. And I think that he gets really excited about this Trackhouse project really challenging him and everything that he's done in his life and um, that final kind of thing in his career that he really makes a um, makes an impact in this sport. And he's a soldier, and he's super loyal. And the guy works way harder than I ask him to work, so he's super, super vital to us. He said just now that um, everyone's brought up the glory days to him this weekend with Jeffrey and the three car and the memories there. And he says, like, right now, the way things are going, these are the glory days. And he's going to look back on it like that. Yeah, well, that's I've, I love hearing that. I mean, because I want everybody that works for this company to feel like they've got a great job and, and feel like they're doing important work. And then for Ross, and actually both of you here, too, we talked in L.A. about when you were first brought on board overriding the underdog mentality and you said that Justin said you're no longer the underdog you're now a contender you're here um, could you kind of provide me both of you insight into that conversation and how important that was into getting into a championship mindset this early into the year I'm gonna answer that first and then I'm gonna let you have the stage because I'm going back to Nashville um, <laughs> huh? you can go with me yeah you gotta talk quick though you can't do those long answers um, <laughs> um, Huh? No, I know. That's why I'm going to leave and give him the stage. <laughs> Matt, I don't even remember what your question was. Yes, thank you. So, uh, uh, Ross, I met Ross 10 years ago. 10 years ago. 10 or 11 years ago. I'm a huge, huge fan of his talent. What I told him when, when, when the Ganassi acquisition happened and then when I offered him the job was that, you know, Trackhouse – Trackhouse sees an opportunity that my goal for Trackhouse and what Trackhouse is doing is is an opportunity to be great in this sport, and you are a championship driver. And um, 
I've, I've seen the whole time I've watched him race and raced against him and watched him come up that this is, this is a championship contending talent at the NASCAR Cup Series level period and that this new car represents an opportunity for us to make a statement quickly. So whereas we came in with the Gen 6 car, the Gen 5 car, we're going, well, we're up against teams that have so much engineering depth and money and all that stuff, but now we sort of have, we're all kind of playing with the same ball. So I say, like, if, if we can build a team around this ball and give you control of it, we can really, really do great things. Um, so it's like, I don't, we're not an underdog in the sense that, like, I don't, I feel like we can go on any weekend, we can go and win. So much respect for these organizations that race in this series. I mean, we can't come in here and be like, yeah, we're just we're better than Hendrick or Baron Gibbs, like, whatever. I mean, it, like I said it earlier, any one of these teams have so much talent and engineering depth that at any point they could find momentum and, and we could get knocked back a little bit and have to find our, have to find our way out. But, but I do believe that Trackhouse is here to stay, that we've arrived, and that what we're doing is we're investing a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of resources into establishing ourselves as a championship contending team for decades to come. All right, and with that, Justin, you're clear. Huh? That was the short answer. Now you guys get the long one. Thanks, everybody. <laughs> All right, real quick, Ross, before you answer Matt's question, just for audio purposes, we have now been joined by our race winner here at Talladega Super Speedway, the Geico 500, with Ross Chastain. Um, Ross, go ahead with your answer, please. Now is it working? So for me, it's it's his confidence in the way he answers that is the whole reason that we're not underdogs, and it starts at the top. So I could go into a long spiel about it, but it truly just starts with when he answers that question. That's that's the reason why, and that's the reason why we believe it. I would be lying if I told you I remembered exactly what he said. So we'll. Whatever he said, that's what he said. All right. If I could get our microphone to Jordan, please. To the Athletic, your dad was not at COTA. I think that's the first win he said that he's ever missed, but he was here today. What was it like celebrating with him? Yeah, it was awesome. That's I realized it immediately at COTA that he wasn't there. So, yeah, that's um, that's special. He comes to a lot. He, he puts a lot of effort into to being here. My mom does. My brother does, my family, um, they make the effort to drive, fly, whatever it takes, and it means the world. Like it, He is the reason that I'm here. He is the reason I fell in love with, with racing and why I stayed out of, you know, I want to say trouble, but like he got me in, like it just gave me an avenue to be successful and to truly, and I fell in love with it, so... Um, you know, he didn't push me early on. I mean, he did, but it wasn't like other kids we were racing against. And it just, I think the way he did it was the perfect way. We had fun racing locally, and we got to this level, and then we did a few races, and we kept doing more. But beyond all that, my dad was here. We won a cup race. That's so cool. A year ago, um, you know, a lot of things were uncertain about your future in the Cup Series. Now you drive for a team co-owned by Pitbull. You're celebrating Victory Lane with, with Kid Rock. Uh, you, you won at Talladega. Does it just seem surreal at times? It does not seem real at all. Like, I keep waiting to wake up from this dream and it realize it's all not what I thought, it, what what I think I'm, I'm living. Um, but I've got great groups of people from Trackhouse, 
on the competition and the business side to the business side with Spire, my family, uh, people in Charlotte and around Mooresville that keep reminding me and keep showing me that this is real. And we talked about it. I talked about it earlier and it was sitting right here in this spot. Like this is, I'm right where I want to be and I have the people around me. So they keep me remembering and they keep reminding me and they keep pushing me to make this the best we can make it. Um, you know, we're not resting on any of this stuff. And like Justin said, um, I might not be quite as sharp in the morning to get to work on Dover, but I'll get to work on it at some point tomorrow. All right, Jeff, did you have a question? So when you brought out the watermelon, it got quite a pop from the crowd. Like kind of it used to be like the right before Carl did his backflip, like they knew it was coming. What was it like to stand on top of your car with the melon, Talladega grandstands, they're like going crazy. What, what, what was that like? Unlike anything I've ever experienced, Jeff, it's Roy brought it out. Mr. Roy gets it every week for us, and, and it was a long way down there for him. And it, as like I, I like to remind him, at his age, that's no small feat. But, no, um, I knew I wanted to stand on the car. I wanted to, like, I want it to smash. I don't want it to just bust open. So, um, yeah, my, my bell helmet, I, we, I'm running ear cuffs, like noise-canceling ear cuffs and, and really good ear molds. And I heard them, and I felt them, and, like, the car was shaking, and then my legs started shaking, and then my arms were shaking, and I was like, I did, I took a second, and I just scanned left to right, so, like, from the start-finish line was in my peripheral, I scanned down to the tri-oval, and people were going crazy. It was wild. Um, smashed it, and then they erupted again, so, yeah, um. Like, I don't have the words, but just the feeling they pumped into, like, that I got was um, was what you dream of. Like, that's what I wanted to do when I first wanted to show watermelons. If, if I was ever able to win a race, I wanted that feeling, and I wanted that reaction, and we've got that. All right, a mic to Bob, please. Right across the table. Bob Parker's Fox Sports. I know the first one is the biggest, but is to win a race like this with patience more important? It is now because it was a it was a mental decision I made um, with whenever I got in line there on the bottom pushing Larson. Um, I was had JJ behind me, and I've let him. I've made the mistake. I want to say I let him win. I made the mistake several times in Xfinity cars, and was had had like track position on him in equal cars and I moved up or I made a move and then he went on to win the race so uh, I knew he would stay on the bottom like he's won so many races that way and if he pushed me and I pushed the five we'd have the best shot just make the bottom the best it can be um, so it's not that I was just that I was uh, complacent or anything it was I thought my best chance of winning was to just push the bottom now that was wrong because the outside the 43 still cleared all of us um, but it's still, it, it, I thought it was going to put me in the best position um, to win. So, yeah, the patient side, it's hard to just, every split-second decision has to be quick, but then also you have to be able to live with the, the consequences of it. So I just thought that was my best maneuver, which is I've never thought that before. And it's, it's not like, oh, I should have always done that in the past. It just it worked out this time. 
No, he went up. I think he went up the path to 43. Uh, that's how I remember it. I was never going up. I mean, I might have, like, I mean, it's a blur. Like, coming to the finish and Kurt's on my right rear. Um, I'm trying to keep whoever, like, I don't even know if there's anybody still behind me, but just no matter where the car went, the mental decision was not to go to his right rear because I had somebody on my outside, so. That's cool that he thought I did it, though. Let's let him think that. Okay, we're going to go Jenna, Daniel, Taryn, Courtney, and up to Dustin. So, Jenna, go ahead. Important questions. Um, how old is this watermelon? Was this watermelon? It got purchased right after Coda, so it's been a few weeks. Um, so yeah, it was on its you know last leg. It's last leg. So how does last leg watermelon off the pavement after 800 miles taste never sweeter <laughs> oh my goodness and i could feel like it was so much watermelon juice on my face and running down me and i looked down at it and there was no seeds and i was like well they're either all on my face and regan's not saying anything again and I, then i called him out on it like are you gonna tell me this time like help a brother out um yeah this, it just that just knowing what that means and to get too long-winded, but to go back to, to our family's history and, and what has put food on our table for generations, and to get to do that in front of, let alone this crowd, but national, worldwide attention is just all I have ever wanted to do is, as a race car driver is to help promote watermelons. And that was my next question is, um, have, have watermelons ever gotten this much exposure and, you know, this platform that you're, you know, are you noticing it? Um, are you noticing the attention on watermelon? I mean, I am. I've noticed attention on watermelon forever. I mean, we I work with different state associations in the National Watermelon Association. There's a National Watermelon Promotion Board. Uh, we incorporate it into safe driving campaigns. We incorporate it into paint schemes whenever we can. So I've always had, obviously, the attention to it. Uh, I mean, I still have Google alerts set for watermelon race truck, watermelon driver, watermelon race car driver, like to an old email address that I'll check every now and then. And was used to that's how I could kind of I'd send off a story to to the board or to the association to, to show them what we were doing so um, you know it's uh, I don't I don't know that might be a question for somebody a little bit older than me that might uh, might know if watermelons have ever gotten this much attention but I'm gonna guess not I mean I mean Gallagher right I mean but all right Daniel go ahead with your question please in front stretch, um, when Justin was in here, you know, he talked about how Talladega is hallowed ground in, in NASCAR and, and its history. I'm just curious for you, as you've been coming up to the sport, um, where, where was Talladega's place in your mind when it came to tracks and where, where you, you would want to win? It's it is it is. I mean, you just it was said it was said today like. You know, they don't race them anywhere else like they race them at Talladega. And I think that Barney Hall uh, said that. So I think, um, yeah, that's that's just we're just we've all been watching races here forever. And, and I mean, I, I come here with the mentality. I used to come here really worried, really try to focus my first couple years and try to, like, plan out every move. And I realized pretty quickly that's not possible. And uh, Johnny Sauter said one time, like, why are you worried? You're going to be backwards in the grass. At 200 miles an hour, if you don't hit anything, you'll probably still have a chance to win. Like, relax. And he, he just said it in passing. Maybe I don't even know if it was like driver intros or after the race or something. And 
I just it stuck with me, and I was like, you know what? That's he's right. Like I should come here a lot more relaxed and and learn and try to prepare. And I prepare and I try to be as you know the best race car driver I can be. But I'm no better that we because we won than the other 25. There was 25 cars today that could legitimately win this race. Um, I mean, in theory, there was 39, but 25 legitimate chances, and um, you know we were just the lucky ones that the the cars parted and they all hung a right coming through the trial and that was that was it all right taryn go ahead taryn walk with nascar.com the same car as coda does that make this more special it makes it special that jim france and the nascar family and the, the france family like their vision for this car that you can win a race on a road course and i mean how much is it a month has it been a month or two months how, since coda a month fourth race since in a month, you can bring a car back you win at a road course, and you can win at Talladega. Like, that's that hasn't happened since the '60s. Like, I don't know, farther back. I don't. I have no idea. I mean, they would they would have different cars. So, it's wild. Um, that's more what it means to me. Um, that that this car is capable of that. You change the geometry, change the the suspension, shim the body a little bit, and go race. Like, put a different tune in the motor for super speedway and. Um, adjust your rear diffuser and all your adjust everything and the same car can come race that's um, I'm not sitting here gonna say it's any cheaper yet I don't think it's cheaper for us than just building a new car like in the past but I don't know I don't know the business behind what we're doing I just drive the cars so um, it is special though or are you not superstitious I'm not I mean I I like that we still have my first ever race truck my Monte Carlo race car back home um we have my brother's first car like that kind of stuff is is neat and I will never probably get rid of those but you know here um you you, you honestly can't tell and, and it the first time that ever happened for me you can always tell something between each car there's always a little something different and I wrecked in the duel last year in the 42 car wrecked the car we went to a backup and I got in for the for practice the next day and I, I called him out. I was like, there's no way. This is the same car. It's the same interior. And they're like, no, it's all new, but it's that good, and it's that well prepared um, that you they prepare it that close that you can't tell a difference. And it's the same thing with these cars. I can't tell a difference week in and week out. Um, you know, I can't tell that it's the same car because I can't tell that one's any different. All right, Courtney, go ahead with your question. Courtney Horn. Courtney. Courtney Horn, com. Your first pit stop victories have come at two distinct tracks. When you think about your NASCAR journey, how does that how, is that mind blowing for you? Absolutely mind blowing. It is. Um, yeah, I, I you know I grew up short track racing, so I just assumed and thought I was that was where I was the best. And road course like turning right was hard, and drafting was hard. And I just thought that would never be able to catch up to guys that had been doing it so much longer than me and time and work and really good people surrounding me um we've we've closed the gap there's still a long ways to go but yeah it's absolutely mind-blowing rank among your victories oh i i don't put any of them ahead of any other one um they're all you know this one and coda and i mean yeah it's cup it's it's different but i mean i put it right next to the iowa truck win All right, we're going to go to Dustin, front, and then Nathan, and then we will end with Daniel. 
Dustin Long, NBC Sports. Ross, um, Justin has talked about this team being a disruptor and, and doing things in a different way. And I'm curious, one, how has he impacted you and how has he I- impacted this team, especially when he's more based in Nashville so he's not in the shop as much? How has that disruptor, how does that attitude or how does that motivation how has he had an impact on you and this team to do what 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 this organization has done in the first 10 races of the season? I'd say as much as on the business and, and public side that he's dis- a disruptor, his messaging to me is, like, I don't have to be a disruptor anymore. Like, on track, I can – it's okay. I can take a breath. I don't have to drive every lap. So I would say I was a disruptor through – trucks Xfinity early on in the cup last year and it took a lot of diff- several different people that I have a lot of respect for and some that at the time I didn't really know why they were telling me these things uh, because I didn't know them that well and but then Justin like this year like it's okay stop just stop like you're okay just go drive the car but you don't have to win every lap like win the day be as good as we can in that day um, yeah as far as maybe a disruptor is, you know, in that sense. But for me on track, it's almost in the opposite. Okay, we're going to go to Nathan and then end with Daniel. Go ahead, Nathan. Hey, Ross. Nathan Buckley with Full Sail University. Um, I noticed uh, that they they showed on the big board, um, probably with about five laps go maybe, that the different winners uh, throughout the year, and most of them maybe all but Denny Hamlin and Kyle Busch, were younger drivers that I imagine that you raced against in the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series. Uh, coming into the Cup Series here and seeing all these drivers that you race with doing well, uh, does that motivate you at all uh, to go out there and, you know, race your rear end off, if that makes sense? Yeah. I don't look at any car farther than how do I pass them or, how you know, how do I race them. Um, I'm not – I don't – I really don't – I think there's there are more of us that are in the tw- they're in our 20s, 20-year-old 20 range, but um, I don't – yeah, I don't, I don't really – I see what everybody's talking about, and I, I do see the trend, but those guys are good. Like, they have forgotten more than I've ever learned, and that's been the hardest part about Cup is trying to catch up to that. Um, they just – just even though it's a different car and, and totally different – environment on track um with everything about this new car it's still they're that good that they will adapt and um trying to come as prepared as i can be every week you know i still i look to those guys and i i mean i'm i'm studying them to try to be the best race car driver i can be so i think they're still they're the best all right and i skipped over jonathan by accident so go ahead with your question jonathan before we'll wrap with daniel He'll turn you on. Um, Ross, I just have to ask, you know, did you get a chance to talk with uh, Pitbull at all? I haven't. That's twice in a row during, in victory lane. I'm running around hugging, jumping on people that Justin and they're they're off in the side where they can actually hear him. Um, but I'll have a text from him. We we text every. Um, you know, he's always motivating and and like he wants to be here. He does, and uh, we're gonna catch up down in South Florida because we're not that. Our homes aren't from that far apart couldn't probably be farther you know environment and 
socially a farther distance in the in the world but um yeah it's uh we we have the same you know the same passion for this right now so uh, i mean he's mr worldwide like the thought that he's going to be here like justin said every week is 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 a is a dream but um he'll be here and you know he'll he's going to be here for one of these wins and and you know i think rolling off today daniel i thought he had one of the fastest cars and honestly the wreck that took them out saving gas and coming to the restart zone i popped the clutch and the ignition was off and so i was lagged back and i took off and was wide open way before the restart zone but i didn't actually catch up and that's when joey got turned in turn one and they all wrecked and i was barely able to slow down enough um so i mean i think you know i would have been in that wreck with daniel but if i not for that mistake but i feel like daniel truly believe i see the preparation the one in 99 like he's going to win races and when he does it's gonna he's gonna rattle them off like he's that level and that caliber driver and that team and and the one in 99 are building together um but yeah i didn't get, i haven't got to talk to armando yet a lot of special things about tonight's or today's win how would you sum up what you're going to remember years from now about this I mean, I'm going to remember that I crossed the line, and I honestly didn't know if we won. I mean, I knew that I quit blocking, I think, the three. Did the three finish second? Like, I saw the the five and the 43 hanger right, and then I was just motoring on the bottom, and Brandon said, go to the top. And I'm like, well, that's weird. Like, the three's going to push me. And I, I knew I was coming to the checkered, but then I crossed the line, and they all were slowing down, and I was like, did we win? Like, we won? I, mean, I knew that, we, and I was like, they're not, everybody's slowing down, and I was like, we won the race, like, that's wild, um, so, I mean, that's, that's the first thing, and then, you know, I, for the first time ever, I blew the rear tires off of it doing burnouts, I felt them unraveling, and I didn't care, I had it in second gear, wide open, and I'll take the hit on that, like, I'll, whatever we got to do to get it, you know, fix it, um, but in the moment, I couldn't control myself. All right, Daniel, go ahead and bring us home. Two part question. Um, how did you feel about your teammates? What you got to speak How are you feeling at that point? Terrible. I just cost. Terrible. Yeah, I just cost us the race. I thought. Um, absolutely. I didn't. I didn't think there was any way. You know, I mean, just, I mean, I knew there was a way to get back in it, but then honestly. I knew it would be hard. It was just track position, man. Just getting like we had cycled out to be fifth, and then the whole rest of the race, I think I had to watch the 43. I had to watch Eric up there, dicing it up, and and if nothing else, learning how to race with the leaders. And I'm back in, I'm 12th in line, bottom. I'm 13th in line on the top. Like I'm just stuck. Tried the very top a couple times. Tried to work with a few guys. Hung guys out. Got hung out, and um, you know, just it took surgeon and some strategy to get up there and then one key move but yeah when we had the speeding penalty no i mean yeah i didn't i mean i didn't get down it's just like well it just made it a whole lot harder because we had just jumped so many guys to come out fifth so when Yeah, it was um, the field was counted down. Brandon counted them down side by side. Leaders, the whole pack, two by two. 
uh, McDowell had slowed down when I had when I had to do my pass through. I don't know why he was that far back, but he slowed down on the track to, so we could draft together, and that prolonged us going a lap down by a few laps. And I knew that I had to race him for the free pass and Brad. And off of two, I started dragging back to get gapped off of Michael, get a little momentum to him. And then into three, I I mean I it's a decision I made on my own. Um, but I offset to the right of Michael, so he was on the bottom, and I went to the right, and I'm about a car length or a little bit less back. And I knew that that put everybody either going two by two above me, which then I would probably have to give it to them. But when I saw the five split to the bottom, I disrupted the field, and that was my goal was create turbulence where that I can catch up, and they don't put me all the way to the back, and it's not. I mean, I I thought about it for a few laps, and it's not something that I would do every time. But in that situation, I felt the risk of what what I was doing was enough to stay on, to get the free pass at the stage break to to get around the 34 and stay ahead of Brad. Um, that risk was enough, and it turns out it probably wasn't. Probably they both got their laps back through a couple cautions later, but um, I knew that to get the first free pass at stage one end, it was going to take like. I had to be. The, I had to disrupt the field. If not, they would blow by me, and Michael, me, and Brad would all be at the back of the line, and then it, we'd be stuck. And if I was behind one of them, I'd never pass them. So, yeah, it's. I'm sure Kyle wasn't super happy with me. I think it might have cost him the lead, but I had. I felt like it was a risk worth taking, and it was on purpose. So. All right, Ross. Congratulations again. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, and we wish.